Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. How are you? I am good. Welcome to another week of Real Personal Finance. It is good to be here for another week of Real Personal Finance. So today I want to geek out on uh, a question, should I have an emergency fund? Well, of course, right? Yes. Well, we already know the answer to that's yes, but I think we can geek out on how to think about how much of an emergency fund we should have, where it should be, and why. Okay. Okay. I like that. So how much should I have is a better question than should I have it because I think we're both going to say yes, of course. How, yeah. do we, how do we decide how much we should have in our emergency fund? Yeah. Well, we'll discuss. Um, here's, what, here's what I hear. Is there a rule of thumb? I, there's a rule of thumb, and I hear somewhere around three to six months of living expenses. Yeah. So you hear? If you've been on any major financial site ever, like CNBC, it's just some unspoken rule. Three to six months. Yeah. It's right? not even unspoken. It's a spoken rule. Three right. to six months. Three to six months of income. So if you make a hundred grand a year, you should have thirty to sixty thousand dollars sitting in cash. Well, I the the challenge with the way people think about this is they look at I think three to six months of. Yeah, like you're saying, income, right. not necessarily three to six months of expenses, uh-huh. which I think is where you're going. Yeah. And what's the difference between that? It might not sound like a difference, but what's the difference between that? Yeah, right? So I, like, my, my whole thing about an emergency fund is it's there for an emergency. Right. Right? Like we need something. More than likely, the reason you need it is because something that either has a high magnitude, a low probability, but a high magnitude occurred, like maybe you got in a wreck and now you have to pay off your pay your deductible on your car or something like that right right? that could be one reason right or maybe you lost your job Mm -hmm. and now you need to make sure you can live Mm -hmm. so how would you think about that well i think that it's there's a difference between income and expenses now i think most people have a tendency to spend whatever income comes in each month (laughs) so in many cases income (laughs) equals expenses but what you have to think about when you're looking at this is if you were to lose your job or if there were to be an actual emergency what's it going to cost to survive like what's your mortgage payment or your rent payment that's something that whether or not you have a job you're going to have to pay totally what's it going to cost to put food on the table what's it going to cost to make sure you don't fall behind on your insurance premiums or your, your utility bills yep um you don't need to think about things like are you going to go on a vacation if you lose your job you're probably not forking over a few thousand bucks to go on a vacation if that's the case you're probably going to cut back a little bit um, on some discretionary expenses so really looking at if scott if you were to lose your job or if i was to lose my job what would those expenses be each month that i could not avoid exactly so oftentimes we'll call those essential expenses right what are the things that you can't turn off and whatever those things are you really want to get a good sense of that 
um, maybe give yourself a little bit of a buffer because, you know, like if your kids are playing in some, you know, rec league basketball every year, you may not want to tell them they're not allowed to do that <laughs> because you lost your job temporarily. Um, but what are the things that you're normally going to spend money on that's not going to change and then figure out how much of a safety net you want to have? Yeah, and I think this is actually can be freeing for a lot of people because they say, wow, three to six months of living expenses, which in their mind, again, means three to six months of income. And let's say you're making 10000 per month after taxes. That's, that means you need thirty to $60,000 in your emergency fund. Right. Well, if you were to lose your job, you may not actually need to spend $10,000 per month to meet those basic, uh, those, those necessary living expenses. It might be half that. It might be 5000 per month or 6000 per month. So find out what that number is and then look to multiply that by three months or by six months based upon this logic at least yeah yeah or or more um which is kind of that's like the next kind of nuance so we got to i think we kind of walk people through how to start thinking about how much they actually need um as far as how long they need to cover that emergency fund for like let's assume it's for like you lost your job and now you need more income um a couple of things i think about and then you can add to it one is um how how hard is it for you to find a similar job at a similar pay grade mm-hmm. in your area, right? Yeah. If it's really hard, you may want to have a bit more of mm-hmm. a fund. Yeah. If it's easy, um, cool. Don't worry about it, right? If you're a tenured professor, you don't even need one of these. Right. <laughs> right? Like, like, you're good. Yeah. Like, they can't, you know where the they next literally from. cannot fire you. Um, but it's really, and then the other thing is, are you in a dual income household? If you are and you both make the same amount of money, the chances of both of you losing your job at the same time, my my thought would be, which should be pretty small. Yeah. Um, so then it's, it's so. What do you think about that? I agree. It, the the more insecure your job, or the longer it would take to find a new job if you lost it, the more you should have in your emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Really, it's it's how long would that emergency last for is what's going to drive the amount that you should have in that fund. Yeah. If there's not a high likelihood of you losing your job, and if you do lose your job, you can, like you said, if you're a tenured professor, not that you would lose your job, but you could just turn around and, and find a new one the, day, the next day, you really don't need much of an emergency fund. If you're in a very specific or unique field or a field that may be disrupted by some new wave of technology coming and, and you don't, don't know what would be next, well, then you could look to extend this. If you're an entrepreneur and you're constantly starting new businesses and you don't know what the next venture is going to look like, you might need a year or two of living expenses in your emergency fund, if not more. And so it all yep. depends on what would be next if something were to happen to your job. Agreed. I think that's the that's the key. Is the the rule? What always bugs me about rules of thumb is they're too simplistic, right? Like, right. If you're if two two cup a cup a couple both earns a hundred thousand dollars a year, and they're salaried. Like to me, you probably are going to need less of an emergency fund than if the same two individuals are entrepreneurs and their cash flow ebbs and flows with the economy. Right. Right. Like it's just, it's all dependent upon the circumstance. Right. So I'm glad we're getting to that. Yeah. And there's no such thing. I mean, people might say there's no such thing as having too much in cash and maybe that's right, but you got to think about the opportunity cost of if you have too much of an emergency fund, there's other things that you're not going to be able to do or not be able to do as quickly as you otherwise would have. Fully agree. There can be, to me, there, I am with, I actually am of the standpoint there can be too much cash. Yeah. Because the, and what you're saying is the opportunity cost. So we can actually get into that a little bit with where people can keep the funds in a second. Um, you know, an, an interesting um, version that I've seen of this um, was through the, 
um, Alliance of Comprehensive Planners um, was really that if you have – so like uh, let's pretend that you're – James, you're a <clears> – <throat> you earn $100,000 a year and you're salaried. The the concept is rather than focusing on that three to six month number of income, which would be about what thirty grand, and keeping it in cash. Number one is most people hear about an emergency fund and they think I just need to hold this cash, mm-hmm. and I either need to one keep it in like a drawer or two keep it in a savings account, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so specifically on those, one uh, nothing wrong with keeping a little bit of cash in a drawer. Um, in two thousand, uh, not joking, because yeah. in two thousand and seven there were wildfires around here where we were worried our power grid was going to go out. And if the full grid goes down and you're running everything by credit cards, like you're kind of in trouble. I'm just pulling my gold bullion out of my safe. Right. Well, right? maybe gold and Dinty Moore <laughs> stew is for a different conversation for a different day with ammo. But like keeping keeping a few hundred dollars or a thousand bucks in cash, probably not a horrible thing. It'll mm-hmm. get you through a few days if a major emergency happens. Yeah. Right. As we're thinking about emergency funds. So it'll normally be sitting in there. Um, in their savings account. Yeah. And the problem with most savings accounts is? There's 0.001% interest. Yeah. The banks are making money off that right. savings account. You're not. So online savings accounts are a great way to, a great place to go put that cash if you want. Um, those will typically earn right now around like close to 2%. Yeah. Right. But the other component there is that still you if 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 the number is let's say you make a hundred grand and we want to put three months of cash sitting aside, that's thirty thousand dollars. That's a lot of cash to just leave in cash. So um the uh ACP folks came up with this concept of keep ten percent of your salary in cash, online savings. The other twenty percent keep in um interest bearing, basically bond funds mm-hmm. in qualified retirement accounts. So go build up your 401k or your IRA so that you have 20 grand of that 30 sitting in interest bearing accounts. The nice thing about that is that interest gets to earn money on itself every year and you don't pay taxes on that, Mm -hmm. which is really helpful. And you might think to yourself, well, hold on a second. This is my emergency fund. How am I going to get access to that if something bad happens? Well, the concept is if you're earning $100,000 a year right now, you're in a, I don't actually, I don't know off the top of my head what the 100% 100K tax bracket would be for a single filer. Do you know what it would be? I don't. Let's just assume it's 24%. I think right. it might be right. Um, if you go to having uh, no income, well, all of a sudden your tax rate just shifted down mm-hmm. a whole bunch. So even if we have to go take a 10% penalty for you to get that cash out, you're probably still ahead at the end of the day mm-hmm. and you're doing it in a really tax efficient way. Right. So I think that's an interesting way to think about this. Yeah. So have a little bit in something that's going to earn less interest, but it's immediately available and you, that's going to maybe cover a month or two of expenses. Yep. And if you're still unemployed after that couple months, lower likelihood, but let's now put kind of months two through three, four, whatever part of your emergency fund in something that's going to earn more interest inside of a retirement account. But yes, there's penalties on, um, but you probably won't need to use it. And if you do need to use it, you're pulling it out when your tax bracket's really low. That's it. I mean, the whole, to me, the whole, that's the key, right? This is an emergency fund. It's for emergencies only. So make sure we have enough to deal with normal emergencies. But if things get really out of whack, we have access to those funds when we need them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never heard that concept before we were talking before this podcast, but it it makes sense in a lot of ways. Um, I think what I would discourage people, my guess is you would discourage people too from this, is they say, I've got all this cash sitting around doing nothing. I'm going to invest it. And they want to invest it in the same way they might invest their 401k or IRA or whatever. 
And what I encourage people to do is is treat your emergency fund more as a, almost like an insurance policy, more so than an investment. I fully agree. And I actually say that to people deliberately all the time. I will let them know like this 20 grand is your own personal insurance policy. Yes. Right? It is there. You're going to be disappointed by the lack of growth. Yeah. When, but if when, we can squeeze out a couple percent. Exactly. That, that's, that's what it's there for. So it's so that you don't go run into credit card debt or go run into debt when, when you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you, would you say that in this example, I know we just kind of, to backtrack a little bit, does three to six months, is that a good rule of thumb? Or are we just kind of saying the point is we need to get it more customized based upon the unique? Yeah, like, I think, would that generally line up with what we're saying here? Yeah, I think rules of thumb are always good places to start, but real, uh, very rarely are they the exact answer you're searching for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so so maybe works, maybe doesn't, should be unique to the to specific person. And then what we're talking about now is once you decide how much you need in the emergency fund, what do you do with it? Don't mm-hmm. just keep it sitting in a savings account where it's earning nothing. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um and as far as we talked about where kind of the main emergency fund is, usually an online savings account, maybe you want to go do something like have some of those funds in interest-bearing accounts elsewhere, like we just discussed as an interesting idea and concept to think about. What are what can be like other backups to um, a plan that you've run across? Yeah, the, the kind of the backups, the backups that we were talking about, obviously the emergency fund is the backup. Mm-hmm. But if you blow through that and you still don't have a job or you, there's, there's still something that isn't working out... Um, like we mentioned, you have funds in your investment accounts that you could always pull from. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you have an investment account that's not an IRA or 401k or whatever it is, you're going to want to pull from there first. But if you don't, then yeah, you may need to access money from your uh, qualified, which means tax-advantaged retirement accounts. If you own a home and you have the ability to get a home equity line of credit, that wouldn't be the first choice in this case. But if you've blown through your emergency fund and need access to cash, that's a way that you could do it without penalty. Yep. Um, and access those funds that, that may be needed at that time. Yep. And so home equity lines of credit, if people aren't familiar with them, is a line of credit that's usually behind. So you have your mortgage payment and then you have this line of credit that can be, um, you can basically tap some of the equity in your home. Typically, the best time to get a line of credit is when you don't need one. Right. It's t- typically it's best to get one uh, when everything's going really well for you. Uh, and then people will use them for lots of different things. And we're not huge fans of running into more debt necessarily, um, but it can be a place that you can access liquidity in your life. Better than a credit card that you're not going to be able to pay off if you don't have a job. Totally. Because the, the rate on a, on a, line of credits typically prime plus or minus points and prime right now i think it's like well i don't know what prime is off the top of my head but it was around like five more recently mm-hmm. yeah so about a third of what you're going to pay in credit card interest right yeah yeah awesome anything else we want to add to this so we've talked about the rule of thumb generally works maybe but but make sure it's unique to you mm-hmm. we've talked about what you should do with the cash in your emergency fund which may be cash maybe something slightly different than cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of talked about the backup to the emergency fund, the emergency fund 2.0 if needed. Mm-hmm. Anything else we need to chat about? No. Uh, well, the biggest thing is have one. Have right? one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what we need to end The simple on. answer to the question is yes, you need one. Yes, absolutely. The nuanced answer is what does that look like? Exactly. So, okay. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. See you next week. You too. Thank you for listening to episode number 19 of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for a list of the resources and notes from today's episode, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co and find episode number 19.
If you're enjoying the podcast and so you've been listening for some time now, please subscribe. You'll be notified every single time a new episode is released, which is every Wednesday morning. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. It helps more people find the podcast, and we always want to know what you are all thinking of the podcast. If you have a question that you want us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real for Personal Finance website, and there'll be a section on the bottom of each page where you can submit your question. Again, that can be found at realpersonalfinance.co, and on either page there, you will have a section where you can submit your own question for us to answer on a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.